15 years ago, I ran across a preview for a new book coming out of Image Comics, which featured a Bigfoot that worked for an American slash Canadian government agency. A Bigfoot that wore a suit and a tie, had a human partner, and hunted down other cryptids. Now, this particular comic, it was created by a couple of guys I'd never heard of before. Well, at least back at the time. But frankly, that didn't matter. You see, after reading through the short preview online that day, 15 years ago, I fell completely and truly in love with this book. And if you don't believe me, here's some proof. (laughs) Okay, that was a terribly punny intro. And frankly, I don't care. Here's the theme song. The following podcast is going to contain spoilers, along with me, just a regular guy, talking about all the things I love, such as comics, movies, television, music, and books. So yeah, proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another all-new episode of Just Another Fanboy, the podcast that's often mistaken for the almighty Sasquatch. I'm your host, my name is Steven, and this, ladies and gentlemen, is the start of Season 7. Now, before I get into the meat of today's episode, I wanted to take a moment to thank everyone who helped me out while I was on break by grabbing up that Just Another Fanboy microphone and guest hosting an episode. Frank A. Rincon, Ed Moore, Peter Rios, Eric from Longbox Review, Bill the Voice McGonnell, Ian Levenstein, George Rodney Kristen and Rich from Meanwhile at the Podcast, Harold Jennett and Mike Yanolovich, Sean Pryor, and last but not least, Mr. Chris Parton. I, I don't know if there's words to, to, to be used in this situation to thank all of you for doing this. I mean, I always try to take a break between seasons. So as season six was coming to a close and I was thinking about taking my break, which was going to be at least a month and thinking about what I was going to do during that month off, because I I always like to try to put in some bonus episodes so that it's just not radio silence for however long it is that I'm gone. I, uh, I wanted to truly take that month off. I didn't want to have to spend time, you know, going through old episodes and putting together a best of and and, and crap like that. And two weeks, maybe before the end of May, before my break started, I had this idea and I reached out to all these good folks and I said, hey, here's what's going on. Would you like to guest host an episode for me in June? And (laughs) they all said yes. I don't know what's wrong with these people, but they all said yes. And wow. I mean, look at how many episodes, two episodes a week, all throughout June, and then one week here into July. Uh, A lot of great episodes with a lot of great subjects. And I I couldn't be more happy. I, I just, I'm just 
over the moon with the response and the types of episodes I got because they the the episodes if if you've gone if you've listened see I'm I'm my my lips are swelling with pride pride lips is what I got folks I I I can't do this I can't it's just like it's it's like I'm so happy if nothing's coming out in in any coherent fashion anyway what I'm trying to say here is that if you've listened to all the episodes that were guest hosted by these fine folks. It really is just such a wide range of topics and even styles of podcasting. You've got single host episodes. You have a whole group of people from Meanwhile at the podcast doing an episode. You got Harold and Mike talking about Transformers for two episodes. I mean, there's a, a lot of folks that were involved and y'all stepped up and you, you created something great. And I truly appreciate it. And I just want to say real quick, but before we move on, I'll be taking December off as well. So put that on your calendars. I may be reaching out to folks again for uh, guest hosting duties in December. If you are a a listener of this show and you feel like uh, you got the chops to guest host an episode in December, you know what? Put together a little a little thing for me and say, hey, look, this is what I can do think about me for December and send that on over to just another fanboy at gmail.com. All right. So today we're talking about a book called Proof. This is uh, volume one to be exact, which is entitled Goat Sucker. This collects proof issues one through five. It was written by Alexander Grecian. The artist is Riley Rosmo and the colors were by Tyler Jenkins. The collection came out in June of 2008 the the first issue came out in October of 2007 and so you had October, November, December, January and February for those first 5 issues and I was podcasting back in the day when when this book came out and I mentioned there in the intro a, a preview that I came across and I can't remember which website it was at it was either comic book resources or newsarama Two sites that I used to frequent back then. I, I don't so much anymore. I, I, I'm really not honestly sure why. I guess because nowadays you get most of your news just on Twitter when it comes to comics. But I remember coming across this preview and the thing about it that caught my eye was an image of this Bigfoot in a locker room putting on a suit and a tie. And it immediately made me stop scrolling and give the whole thing a read. You know, what is this book about? Let me read the preview. And uh, again, I'd never heard of Alexander Grecian. I'd never heard of Riley Rosmo. They had done a book called Seven Sons. I think that's what it was called, but before doing proof. And so the interest that I had in this book, I was not drawn to it by the, the names of the creators, because again, I had no idea who these dudes were. I've since, you know, been following them and their their careers to a certain extent and they're they're up there at the top of my list of uh if I see something that either one of them does I'm I'm going to go out and give it a try but the preview itself like I said it there was a, a Bigfoot in a locker room and it comes from issue number 1 and there there is this moment in issue number 1 because the issue opens up with a a Bigfoot well actually the issue opens up with a, a couple hiking a trail in Minnesota, maybe. And the woman, uh, they, they 
gets separated because the the guy has a rock in his shoe and he stops to to get the rock out and the woman keeps going and she goes into a cave to take some pictures and something gets her. We don't we don't know what it is. But then we get the Bigfoot and he's out with a like a a, a cloth diaper on and he's running through the woods and there's a bunch of soldiers after him and one of them shoots him and we find out that the he he was shot by a paintball. This was all part of a training exercise for a uh, a government uh, a joint government organization between the American and the Canadian governments and it's it's an organization called the Lodge and this this Bigfoot by the name of John Proofrock is a member of this organization he's he's literally the only cryptid that is on the payroll basically and his job uh, along with the other agents is to go out there and investigate sightings of other cryptids uh, if, if it's something that is, uh, causing a danger to people around them, they will, they will hunt the cryptid down and capture it. Uh, but the idea is to relocate, uh, these cryptids to a place called the sanctuary, which is part of the lodge up in, uh, Washington state. And the preview that was on whatever comic book news website, uh, whatever it was, after this little training exercise in which proof gets shot by the paintball, there's this, there's basically the preview is, is a locker room scene. If you've watched any freaking buddy cop movie from the eighties, you've seen the locker room scene. There's always a scene with the two cops in the locker room, you know, after having been showered and they're, they're getting their, their suits on and they're, they're putting their guns in their holsters and their badges and they're getting it ready to go out and do their, do their duty for the day. And that's exactly what this felt like. That's, that's the, the vibe I was getting, except one of these quote unquote cops was a freaking seven, eight foot tall Bigfoot. And he's putting on a suit and he's putting on a tie. And it just, it, I immediately fell in love with the comic just from this preview. And if you're not familiar with Riley Rosmo in regard to art, you should be because he's freaking amazing. Um, there's just the way he draws proof, this, this Bigfoot, it's just, it's an amazing thing to behold. And, and, uh, as I've been rereading these issues, they've, they've had, um, like pinup pages from other artists and they're, they're fine. It's just Riley Rosmo's got such a distinctive style that he creates a character like proof. He's the only one in my mind that's allowed to draw proof in any fashion. That's, that's the way I look at it. Cause then you see, proof drawn by other people. And it looks, it's fine. It's just not Riley Rosmo. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so the whole idea behind goat sucker is, uh, the goat sucker is a chupacabra. Um, the opening scene that I talked about with the couple in Minnesota, it was a, a chupacabra that, that got the woman Jeanette Levy. And, uh, we're also introduced to a character by the name of ginger, ginger Brown. I, you know, it's like, I really should write stuff down when I'm reading these books because I, I always don't remember character names. I'm pretty sure it's Ginger Brown. She is a, an FBI agent. And we learn through a backup story, uh, in that first issue that she encounters do, during a, a, a robbery at a jewelry store, a golem. And as she's looking into this, you know, her, her captain is trying to get her not, you know, don't mention it in the report. It's stupid. Come on. Really? A big giant gray man that is shot 
by the by the robbers a number of times and does not die and, and all this crap. Don't put that in your report. But Ginger just bears down and keeps looking into it. And eventually, because of this, she is recruited and transferred to the lodge where she meets her new partner, which is John Proofrock. And uh, so we get we get that part of the story in these first five issues, which is uh, learning about the lodge through the eyes of Ginger Brown. Ginger would almost kind of be the um, Scully. If you if you want to look at this in, in X-Files fashion, Ginger is the Scully. She's the one that has never encountered stuff like this before. So she's the she's the uh, the normal character. She's the the character that we as the reader identify with. And we're taking I hate to use the word journey, but we're taking this journey with her. But their first case is to investigate this Chupacabra sighting. And the guy who runs the lodge, Leander White, refers to the Chupacabra as the Mexican Bigfoot. There are a number of names that he gives a Chupacabra, the, the goat sucker and the Mexican Bigfoot, which immediately gets Proof's interest because Proof, we learn, is over 200 years old. We don't know at this point how he came to work for the lodge, but we do know that he has never, um, he, he's not met any other people like him. And so the idea that this chupacabra may also be a Bigfoot, um, has him super interested. And he and Ginger go to Minnesota to investigate. And that's where they meet another regular character in the series called Elvis Chestnut. And there's, I should mention real quick, there's a lot of really interesting information in the back matter of the issues, uh, because even though I have the trades, I, I read the the issues because I have them both because that's the kind of fanboy I was back then. But there's a lot of really great back matter in these issues. And, and through that back matter, you learn that Elvis Chestnut was not meant to be a regular character in this book. There is a, a moment when... Well, you learn that the this chupacabra, at least in this world, uh, eats people, hollows out their skin, basically eats eats everything in, inside, uh, takes their skin, and then wears somebody's skin, uh, and then um, to an extent takes that person's place. And uh, in this case, this chupacabra kills Janet Levy or Jeanette Levy and wears her skin. She's rescued by an EMT or something and she's in the local sheriff's office and Elvis Chestnut is the local sheriff and what was meant to happen was that the chupacabra in the Jeanette Levy skin goes into the bathroom Elvis Chestnut after she's in there for a while he goes in after her and the chupacabra kills him and puts on his skin and and leaves the police station well apparently when Riley Rosmo was sketching out the scene. He drew Elvis Chestnut with a big old Elvis-like pompadour on the top of his head, which Alex Grecian, that's not, in his mind, that's not how he pictured Elvis Chestnut and actually asked Riley to, to redraw him the way that, that he was picturing him in his head, which was just kind of a regular blonde dude, just a, just a regular looking dude. And, once he got those pages back, he, Alex Grecian, he realized that now nah, maybe, maybe Riley was onto something and he couldn't get this picture out of his head at that point of Elvis Chestnut as this lanky, tall, skinny guy with the pompadour. And, uh, 
apologized to to Mr. Rosmo and and said, "Hey, okay, you were right. Let's uh let's go back to the way it was." And just not only fell in love with the look of this character, he couldn't get the character out of his mind and then rewrote what in essence was that first arc by including Elvis in the story and then becoming part of the lodge, which was not originally part of the plan. And I, I found that incredibly interesting because as he's talking about it in the back matter of one of these issues, he's talking about how a lot of writers talk about how characters will take on a life of their own. And Alex was basically saying that's, you know, his, his thought was always, that's a bunch of crap. You know, that's just a writer, uh, trying to add a bit of, I guess, gravitas to the the way they write and but he found out with this character of elvis chestnut that it's totally true and myself having written a couple of books and a couple of stories it uh, it's the same thing i i completely understand i remember when stephen king would talk about how he he never has an ending in mind when he starts a story it just he just starts writing and the story takes him where it's supposed to go and i remember even though I was a big fan of Stephen King and still am, I remember reading that and shaking my head going, whatever, dude, that's a bunch of crap. And then I found that also to be very much true. And that's a, it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. It's a frustrating thing, thring, thring. And I just, I find it interesting uh, reading Alexander Grecian talking about it as well. But again, the, the, the first volume of proof is, uh, proof and ginger investigating this. Chupacabra, who attacked uh, Jeanette Levy and uh, ends up wearing the skin of one of the EMT agents or one of the agents, one of the EMTs, because, again, there's still the scene where the Chupacabra with Jeanette Levy's skin, it goes into the bathroom at the at the sheriff's station, is in there for a while. But Elvis won't go in after her at this point by by this point. Um, the character in Alex's mind had become someone who would never go into the women's restroom for any reason. It's just, it's not proper. And so he's never been into the women's restroom at the sheriff's station, has no idea what it looks like in there. And so asks one of the EMTs, who is a woman, to go in and check on Jeanette, the woman whose name is Nancy. She goes in, is attacked by the chupacabra. The chupacabra goes in, you know, starts wearing Nancy's skin. Uh, and then comes out of the bathroom and says that Jeanette had escaped through the window, which we learned that Elvis had no idea there was a window in the bathroom of the, the women's room because again, he's never been in. Um, we are, also, we are all, yeah. If you're new to this podcast, you get a lot of that. You get a lot of that for me because my, my brain, my mouth can't keep up. See, it happened again. My mouth cannot keep up with my brain. And so it comes out as, uh, word salad to use something from Boston legal. Anyway, we also meet Elvis Chestnut's mom who lives out, uh, in the country and she ends up encountering the chupacabra in the Nancy skin. And, um, I can't quite remember her name, but Nadine, because then, uh, Nadine who has heart issues, uh, has a heart attack and, uh, the chupacabra ends up taking her skin. And uh, we don't get a big fight scene between Proof and the Chupacabra, or we'll just refer to uh, her as Nadine from this point on, because the Chupacabra is a female and does spend the rest of the issue as Nadine and is captured and taken to the sanctuary and lives in the sanctuary in a hut 
still wearing the the Nadine skin. And um, Elvis is then recruited to uh, to be a member of the lodge. And we actually get in issue number five. The story somewhat wraps up with issue four, but then we get issue five, and proof's not even in the issue. He is he's been very uh, shaken by this whole encounter with the with Nadine because Nadine refers to proof as Gulliver. She says she's been waiting for him. There's there's kind of a thing at the beginning where we learn that the chupacabra is typically as far as uh, sightings uh, is usually down south and this is the first sighting in Minnesota and why a chupacabra would would travel to Minnesota that's that's part of the mystery and we learn that Nadine had met up with somebody at some point um, called Mi Chen Po, who convinced her to go north and wait for Gulliver. We learn that Proof, John Proof Rock, which is what the, the Bigfoot is, is called now, at one point was the member of a circus, and his name at that point was Gulliver. Now, he doesn't know. He doesn't recognize the name Mi Chen Po. And doesn't know why uh, whoever this is would send Nadine North to come look for him and kill him really is 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 what we kind of get out of this, if, if I remember correctly. But it kind of has him a bit shaken, uh, especially a bit depressed, learning that he's no closer to finding any more of his own people. And so for the entire episode five, he we basically all we get from him is a note that he leaves in his boss's office saying that he has not taken a day of vacation in 35 years or something like that. And, and so he's taking two weeks off. Um, and so the, the story actually wraps up with Elvis taking a tour of the sanctuary and he's taken by the cabin where Nadine lives and he ends up confronting Nadine and they fight. And uh, we find out that it was all set up by Leander because he felt that, that, uh, Elvis would not be able to move for move forward with his life and, you know, become a, a valuable member to the lodge without having that confrontation. And then along with all of that, there's a, a backup story in each issue. I think all five issues have a backup story, but the backup story is not it, it, it actually ties in to the to the main story. So, for example, in issue number one, we get a backup story about Ginger. Uh, with the golem and that tells us how she started to work for the lodge and uh, we get a lot of stuff there there's a, a moment where we find out that there are, are fairies that live within the sanctuary and uh, the ones that we can that, that we see the ones that we meet are are all female and they're they're little the little winged fairies uh, somewhat like Tinkerbell but they're very monstrous looking females and they eat human flesh. And we learn that when they, they mate uh, with a male of which there are only three on the sanctuary, they kill the male afterwards and, and hollow it out. And uh, we learn that a, a fairy becomes pregnant and there's, there's a whole bit about that within this first trade. It's, I, I have to admit going back and reading it again after 15 years, I, I'm just falling in love with it all over again. It is such an interesting series. There's a, a a device that they use throughout the series where they have these word bubbles, these caption bubbles called cryptoids. 
throughout each issue that gives you uh, little facts about various things. Some of it ties into the story you're reading. Some of it is just kind of a, uh, by the way, if you find this little thing interesting, here's a little interesting fact that is kind of peripherally involved. It's it's a it's a really cool device. I really enjoy it. It really adds to the story and, and makes uh makes proof uh an even more interesting book. Um, along with all of the back matter that they put in there, which has stuff from Alex, has stuff from Riley. They have been including uh stories from actual Bigfoot researchers and encounters that they have had. And and uh Alexander Grecian will tell you, I think within the first issue, that he's not really a believer, but he, he finds the whole idea quite interesting. He wants, it's, it's, he's, it's kind of like me. I want to believe the, there, there's a big part of me that wants to believe that there's something like that out there. But at this point, if, if there was, you know, we probably would have run across it by now, you would think, but that's the fun. That's part of the mystery that makes it, makes it all the more fun. Anyway. This is a book that uh unfortunately is out of print. I think you can get copies of it through Amazon. Let me let me look real quick here cuz I was just on Amazon. Yeah, the only copies you can get on Amazon are used copies of this volume. So, you're going to pay according to this anywhere from 3 bucks to 60 bucks. But if you're, you know, diving through the back issue bins at a comic book store and you run across this series, I would urge you to pick it up because it is a lot of fun. It was the book I was probably into the most when I was doing just another fanboy back in 2007, 2008. And, uh, I'm really happy to report that going back to it 15 years later, it's still a, a rather amazing book. The, the, the storyline is fun and interesting and captivating. And then the art is just beautiful and just keeps getting better the further into the series you go. And if you know Riley Rosmo, you understand what I'm talking about. He's he's an amazing artist. Um, now, as far as what these two creators are doing now, um, Alex Grecian has moved on to writing novels. He uh, wrote a series of books called the uh, uh, the Murder Squad, Scotland Yard's Murder Squad books. I think there were there were five of those. He's written a couple of other novels after that, but Scotland Yard's Murder Squad books are really good. They are they're they're set in England. The Murder Squad is a a, a squad that was put together uh, because of the Jack the Ripper murders. So we come in after uh those those murders but if i remember correctly jack the ripper does show up at one point in these series of books so um i would urge you to check those out as well he's also local to me i was i was quite surprised to find that out um a number of months into reading proof i discover through a post on a message board that he's he at least at the time uh, lived about 20 minutes away from me and I would run into him a lot at local comic book conventions. Um, matter of fact, I think he gave me one of the trades for free and I, I even ran into him in a, in a, in a sandwich shop one day in, in one of the, one of the towns here local to me, but, uh, super nice guy, great writer, big fan. You should check out anything that he's done because it's going to be good. 
Riley Rosmo. Uh, I believe he is on the Harley Quinn book right now for DC, um, which I've, I've seen some pages of and, and they look amazing. He's done a number of things for DC. I think he was on a Martian Manhunter series at one point. Um, but if you have the, the DC, uh, universe infinite app, just look up Riley Rosmo. There's a lot of stuff on there. He, I believe he's done a lot more for DC than he's done for Marvel. But, um, the two of them also did a book called Rasputin. I think it was both of them. That was really good. That was for image. And it was about the, the Russian guy Rasputin, which was a, uh, a really interesting read that was set both in the past and the present. That was fun. Uh, but I'm going to keep reading more of proof going back and, and reliving that time because as I have been looking through all the issues that were released and what I own, there's a lot of it near the end that I don't honestly remember reading. I don't remember how it all wraps up. I, I feel like maybe I continued to buy the books, but, uh, due to other things that were going on at the time was not able to keep up with my reading and then just kind of never went back to them. I, I don't know. I'll find out as I, as I, as I continue to read. So expect more episodes about proof, uh, rather than do one issue at a time, like I'm doing with other books like ElfQuest and GI Joe, I've decided to just do them one trade at a time and do it that way because uh, they're so much fun reading that I don't think I could read just an issue and then walk away for a month or two and then come back and read another issue. I've got to, I have to do one storyline at a time. So proof, if you have a chance, I urge you to, to give it a chance, give it a, give it a look-see, give it a read. It's, it's a beautiful, wonderful, great book. And, uh, yeah, I don't know what else to say. Um, I'm not going to do my typical wrap up here at the end because if you notice the theme song on this episode is the one I used to use back in the day. Uh, I decided I was going to go back to that until I decide I don't want to use it anymore. But, um, the usual wrap up I do is, uh, something that's part of the ending song. And so all I'll tell, did you get that? Do you need a caption? Do you need some captions? Because uh, I'm not even sure what I said there. But all I'm going to say is that I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you enjoy season seven. We're going to get back into ElfQuest, back into G.I. Joe, back into Madman, back into Moon Knight. I want to start reading the uh, the Bwahaha era of Justice League. So I'm going to start including those. And uh, as well as Marvel's original Conan run, which was started in the the late 70s, early 80s, I believe. Uh, We're going to be talking about those books as well. But until then, folks, my name is Steven, and I'm just another fanboy. Be nice to each other. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to the Just Another Fanboy podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to justanotherfanboy at gmail.com. You can leave us a voicemail or text at 785-318-6673 or find me on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. Make sure you join the Stephen Says Stuff newsletter, a free Substack at list.justanotherfanboy.com where I will send every single podcast episode I create right to your inbox the morning of release. You can support the show for as little as a dollar a month at patreon.com slash and get episodes just like this one a week before anyone else. I also encourage you to subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review, and share this episode with a friend. 
All links will be in the show notes. Bye-bye, Daddy. Bye-bye, Daddy. Good job.